In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? Welcome to St. Mark Bemidji's podcast, a podcast that stays crunchy, even with milk, overnight. You once again have come to a podcast that is dedicated to the vigilant study of God's true and redeeming word. All good podcasts operate on the concept of value for value. Ours is no exception. How it works is we as the podcasters give you content free and upfront with no creepy advertising trackers, no fees, and no personal information required. And in return, all that we ask is that you give value back in the form of your time, talent, or your treasure. Except, we really don't have any interest in your treasure here. But, if this podcast has value to you, and if you're still listening, and especially if you listen consistently, it must, I'd ask you to think about giving back a commensurate level of value in the form of your time and your talent, to spreading the words of God that we ponder here. One of the easiest ways to do that is to simply share this podcast with someone else that you think would also find it valuable. You can share it through your podcast app, you could text it to them, or you could just be old school and write it down on a piece of paper. Neighbors, I've been on the concept all week, and hopefully you're not sick of me pondering it yet, because I've got one more thought that I think is worth listening to. The Bible talks a lot about being neighborly, But have you ever considered the concept of letting someone neighbor you? Yes, I'm verbing a noun. I've moved over 20 times in my life. I've visited a dozen countries, even lived in a foreign land for a few years, and I've been through every state but Hawaii. And if you'd like to remedy that part for me, please send me a personal check. But seriously, every culture has its way of stiff-arming people, keeping them from getting too close. In the United States, The most common way of accomplishing this is the, Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. The call and response. It sounds friendly, but no actual compassion has been offered or given. It's a completely empty statement without anything but a most perfunctory cultural function. People on the East Coast, they look at their watches and bustle away, feigning another appointment to get to. And people in the Pacific Northwest will keep you in meaningless small talk until you feel awkward and walk away. It varies in form as you move around geographically, but each and every one of these types of actions keeps people from neighboring you. But why do we do it? Because actually divulging the problems in our lives makes us vulnerable. Maybe you confess your sins to God in the morning or at the communion table. But God keeps a pretty good secret, and we know that He forgives us. But God loves us more than anything, and He doesn't just want to forgive us. He wants to heal us, to build us up as His children. And one of the ways He does this is through fellow believers. If you don't believe me, listen to the Spirit-inspired word of James, brother of Jesus, from his epistle in chapter 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call to the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. 
he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So, my Christian friends, I urge you strongly, be vulnerable to one another. Let the brother or sister who wants to neighbor you to do so. Pray with them. Confess to them. Unburden your souls, so the Spirit may work within both of you to build you both up in His kingdom. Today's meditation is from Pastor Allard and is titled, From Doubt to Discipleship. We now read just a few verses, just a few verses from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Jesus said to Simon, Put out into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Because you say so, I let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So far the word. A journey is life. Life is a journey. I mean, we've heard of life spoken of that way many times, and we can understand uh, the description of life being a journey. We get it. It begins with our entrance into this world, and it ends or continues with our entrance into heaven or hell, which is both a very light and a dark thought, but it's the truth, right? That's the truth. And in between lies a pilgrimage that each of us must make. Sometimes we get the delusion that the beginning or end of our life is somehow in our hands, but it, it never really is. Each of us has this journey we must make. And within that journey, each of us is faced with a whole variety of different situations. Everybody's life is unique. The uniqueness of life is not based on race. No, it's the individual human being and how they see the world and how their experiences happen to them in ways that don't happen to anybody else. Each human being is unique. And we make this journey and all these different scenarios and situations that hit us and that we experience, they either strengthen or weaken our faith. And I mean the faith, the very faith that can save us. And I mention this today because our lesson presents us with a journey. A pretty significant turning point, an inflection point in the life of Peter. You see him on the cover of our worship folder. He was just another fisherman in a long line of fishermen, maybe in his own family, of many other fishing businesses around the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. And yet here comes Jesus, and he says to Peter, follow me. So today, let us, as we look at this pilgrimage, and as we make our own, let us track Peter's journey from doubt to discipleship with an eye on how his journey mirrors our own. 
Jesus was preaching. Not everybody could hear him. He gets into a ship and he starts to preach just a little distance from the shore and people can now hear him. Great idea. And everything was going along swimmingly so well. And then Jesus makes, has to ruin it by making this broken, odd request. And you heard the request in our lesson, you saw it. Uh, go out, let down your nets, and right there on that lake, there was a war breaking out. And it wasn't between Peter and the fish, because fishermen do have to fight with the fish. It was not between Peter and the other businessmen who were trying to make a living around the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't that either. That war was breaking out in his heart. And the battle was between faith and doubt. And we're going to look into a little bit more of the thoughts that may have been going around in his head at this moment. But it's between faith and doubt. His conscience tells him, his conscience tells him to apply logic and reason to what Peter had seen before. What had Peter seen before? Before Jesus gave the full time call to Peter and the others. Oh, that's right. The very first miracle. And Peter was thinking to himself, was that a con? Did Jesus somehow have people lug together hundreds of pounds of wine and make it look like he did a miracle? No, Peter was applying his newly renewed logic to the problem, which was Jesus telling him to do a fishing technique that would not work. And faith won. Faith won out, but it appears that faith won out. How This is so real life, right? Faith won out, but with misgivings. You, you can hear it, and he goes, well, since you say so, Lord. Ah, insert heavy sigh there. I'll do it. I'll drop the nets. And so Peter was sitting there in his boat, probably grumbling to himself, right? Grumbling to himself. Then he looks over. Huh, I guess we do have, there are a couple fish in this lake. I thought they were all gone. And then the noise starts to increase and he, and he looks back and he goes, okay, maybe this is worth my attention. And then he starts to pull up the net. And then the shock and the laughter as he sees the cacophony of noise as all those tails start breaking the water, the noise of the fish struggling. And then his laughter turns to fear as he feels it. The fishermen put so much time into this, fixing their nets, washing their nets. And now he feels it and he hears it. The net is starting to snap. And in that fear, he says to James and John, you over here now. And they're like, us? Yeah, who else would I be talking to? Help us. And they come over as fast as they can. And even their ships start to sink. And then that fear turns to an even deeper fear. As Peter finally has a moment to actually collect his thoughts, however long that took, and he looks that guy sitting in the boat 
That's the eternal God. And then he does what he does. He immediately drops. He can't even look up. He can't even look up at the sinless Son of God in his fear. You know, I've read that that happens often when people stand in front of the face of God. All lies, all pretense, all excuses fade away. Peter realized right then and there, in the middle of a boat, in the middle of a lake, here is the creator of the universe, and I, he sees all of what I have done. And so he makes that statement that should not be shocking to us. It should not shock us when he says, go away from me. Leave me alone. I am a broken man, a sinful man. Leave me to die in my sin. And then comes the shock. Jesus, through his actions, basically says, no, I'm not going anywhere. And where was Jesus supposed to go? Was he supposed to, with his robe, jump into the Sea of Galilee and swim to shore? I mean, what did Peter want him to do? Can you take me, Peter, if you want me to go away to the shore first? Peter wasn't thinking. Would we? And Jesus says, no, I'm not going away. Instead, this is what happens. He says, don't be afraid. There it was, terror in the heart of Peter. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And poof! Yay! Happy ending. All the doubts and fears that Peter experienced, now he was called by Jesus face to face, and his problems were over. He got to bask in the glory that was the ministry of the Son of God. Is that, is that Peter's life? If you were writing a biography of Peter, would that be your description if you're telling the truth of Peter's life? No, Peter would still execute spectacular, stupid failures. I, I hope he laughs in heaven as they think back to some of the stuff that Peter did. You know, remember Peter when he did this? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. You know, he executed flat-out failures of his ministry, failures of faith. But... Peter's bruised and bloodied faith remained. He would remain Peter, child of God. Perhaps our own sinful nature's best tool, our most well-worn tool, is simply doubt, right? I mean, what thoughts were swimming through Peter's head? He had lots of Lots of good reasons for doubt. Can you imagine him going like, Jesus, did you have to say that whole let the nets out thing so, so loud? I mean, we're on the lake. The other guys in the fishing business, they heard that. The people on the shore even could hear it. And what's going to happen to my fishing street cred if they see me fishing out there? I'm the one boat out there and nobody else is. You know, so maybe Jesus... 
Maybe, maybe you can change your strategy. Let's, let's do that tomorrow. Let's do it when nobody else is around. Remember, he's a professional who did this his whole life. And Jesus purposefully told him to do exactly what doesn't work. What was Peter going to do? He had the choice. We already said, by, power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the choice was, I'm going to believe this. I'm going to believe what Jesus did and what he said. And now comes the temptation for us. Illness could be the case for us. It could be illness, not a foolish, dumb fishing technique. Where Jesus says this, and it makes zero sense. Why the illness now, Lord? Why does Pastor Tim Spiegelberg in Colorado have a child who has mosaic trisonomy 8? Even the bone marrow in his daughter is dying. Illness. There's the doubt that so desperately wants to win in Pastor Spiegelberg's heart. It could be something else. It could be a financial reversal where our congregation our business, our family, we were doing so well, and now the financial reversal. Maybe we find ourselves suddenly expendable. After the boss says, sorry, man, I got to pay the bills and I cannot pay all of you, you've got to go. Something like that. Or maybe that verse of God, of Jesus Christ, that is so happy and wonderful, and we love to quote it. We love to tell it to other people when they are in trouble, when they are in pain, and then that pain strikes us. Is the verse still as beautiful? And then specifically the law, the laws of God, strike someone that we, we love. And maybe it's at those times when God's word and his promises don't really seem to square with this all-compassionate label that he ascribes to himself. And then we start to realize what Peter does. He's the Holy One of God, this Jesus. He is not a pet. You know, oh look, here's the stray cat. It's so fluffy and cute here. But, you know, now I, I want you to sleep in the garage or, or just go away now. That's not Jesus. Jesus is, is not a buddy. Now, don't get me wrong. He is the friend, the truest friend you can have, the one who says it like it is. The one who loves us like no one else. But he's not a buddy. And he's certainly not like a lucky rabbit's foot. Oh, oh I got this problem. Quick, bring it out. Come on, come through for me, God. Big money. It's none of that. He's none of this. He is the king of the world and beyond. And that's why Peter found out that with Jesus in control, things that make no sense can bring us the greatest of blessings. Case in point, a fishing technique that should not have worked now was sinking the nets and the boats. Case in point, Calvary.
something that makes no sense, and yet somehow God pulls the greatest good out. Dear friends, it is there on the cross where we see Jesus meeting a need that is greater than any other need that we might have brought with us this morning. And we have other big needs. I don't dismiss their importance. But he met the greatest. The forgiveness of sins on that cross. And that same self-sacrificing love, which forms the backdrop of what happened at Calvary, forms the same backdrop for our entire lives. That same love that comes into our lives. Fix your eyes on that bloody cross. And keep them fixed there. Fix your eyes on that vacant, empty tomb. And keep your eyes fixed there. And when we are doing that, then we are going to watch as we make the same pilgrimage, the same turning point as Peter. And that point can come multiple times in our lives, and it will, when we turn from doubt to discipleship. Remember, to put yourselves under the feet of Jesus and call yourself a disciple of Jesus, as Peter and the others did, a disciple means, I have a master. This master, Jesus, like Peter, he gives us this love. He gives us a meaning in our lives that can even take a funeral and say, it's okay. Think on that a moment. And then Jesus gives us this meaning that goes beyond death itself. So now, we look at the mission God has given us, and the question we have before us is no longer, oh my goodness, how can I get through this life? Just making enough money, kind of being comfortable, kind of distracting myself enough where I don't have to think of the big things in life and just die. Now our mission is, how can I bring this to someone else? You, you know, Lord Jesus, yes, by nature, what you said to me and the message you brought, it sounded crazy. I could never have accepted it on my own. But now I know what it is. It is the very wisdom of God. It is the most rational message on the face of the earth. How can I bring this to one other person? So the question is, seeing this Jesus on a cross, seeing an empty tomb, keeping our eyes fixed on that, how do we carry out this mission? The old-fashioned way. And the old-fashioned way, like it means with other things in, under the sun, it also means for the Word of God, actually studying the Word. It's not your preacher just preaching the Word to you, to you, but not reading it or studying it himself. Or I do it just enough, you know, I dirty my hands of the Word, just enough to preach something and then, oh, I don't want to touch it anymore. That ain't going to work. It's also got to be you hearing preaching or you reading the word on your own, actually reading it on your own. Not just talking about reading it. Because it sounds nice. It's the old-fashioned way. That's the way. Such is the way, the only way that Christ can master us with his wisdom, which was there in play on the Sea of Galilee as he called the fish into a net. And which was at play when he was bleeding out on a cross. And is now at play in whatever comes next where you are tempted to go from discipleship to doubt. 
The wisdom and love of God is at play. Dear, freshly caught fish. Dear fellow fish, you've heard the voice of the master say today, go fish. Go fish for a soul. Will you listen to it? Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org. All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. salvation free lasting to eternity